0: All right, welcome back everybody to the Faultline Podcast. It's the Three Amigos again. Joining me in person, our senior editor, Tommy Flanagan. Hello. And from, uh, wait, where do you live, Rafi? North Bristol somewhere, yeah. (laughs) But also sunny, right? Actually, it's a bit cloudy. Hi, Rafi. Hello. And, uh, yeah, you've you've been back from Jet Titan, haven't you, Rafi?
1: Um, Yeah, Uh, well, yeah, i was been absent for a long time. I went to uh, L.A., quite a few weeks ago now for the ottx fronts, um and then immediately went to spain for a music festival so been been a long time away um and then we had some uh, work drinks last week so the pod didn't
2: have to <laughs> yeah apologies for being rubbish at podcasting lately we've had a lot of stuff on last week's excuse was quite weak it was too hot okay. <laughs> to pod it genuinely was it Was horrible. struggling but uh, let's let's talk about the important stuff, Rafi. What was uh, what was the party life like in LA? Uh,
1: it wasn't much party life. Um, I've I've not been to America before, so I found it all very surreal. Um, I think I've said to both of you already, but um, every, just everything looked like a film to me. Um, even like the most boring street corner or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, the event was good. I think I enjoyed it. A lot more than a Mobile World Congress, just because it was a lot smaller and you had like um much more spontaneous, natural interactions with people. Like, um, two or well, the piece I'm going to talk about later came from, well, because it was like, I think there were, you know, between one and 200 people there and they like, they had like a breakfast and lunch buffet and like a big courtyard in the sun with loads of tables. And then just in between all the talks, you'd go sit down and everyone would chat to everyone. Um, and it was just like a very natural, like a lot a lot of the pieces I've written about it in Faultline were not things I'd organised, but rather I just happened to sit down and eat next to someone and then like something came from that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. i that regard, to kids
2: parties with more people than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did you get the feeling in America that there's just so much money to be made? That's the feeling I get whenever I go there. Oh my God, there's so much money. If we moved the whole company to America, we'd all be rich.
1: Yeah, they all love shouting about making money as well. There were there was a really aggressive. Uh, there were several presentations that just would be considered bad manners in England. Uh, yeah. people were just like people that you know. The crux of the presentation was like, we're all going to get rich. We love being rich. Hell yeah! And then everyone high fived each other.
2: And yeah, I was just like, this
1: this would not go down anywhere in Europe. Um, yeah, it was interesting.
2: America.
0: Yeah, you got to circle back in like five years or so and just check like where the high fivers have got to, because that's yeah. that's the telling bit. I think we're all like too deeply cynical and reserved, but the Americans they're they're very enthusiastic. But then, um, yeah, there's a nice middle ground I think. But uh,
2: God bless America. Yeah, USA. Right, onto um onto some copy. Yeah, we it was quite a, quite weak week actually in our normal remit in the normal fault line world. There was actually loads of activity in the ad tech world going on, and I also tell you. What wasn't quiet, as you might have heard already, is the incessant honking that is a side effect of having an office right next to the central train station in Bristol, thanks to the RMT picket, which is happening outside. Anyone not in the UK, um, there is a massive rail strike happening right now, so apologies for the honking. But our headline story this week, I actually had to apologise to someone on a call on Tuesday so a broken record this week but um, our lead story this week is a big hullabaloo about Roku's new terms of service that have been um, spotted in small print so essentially it's forcing linear channels now to take its in-house CDN and its proprietary ad insertion technology. The latter isn't a surprise, the former is because I didn't know anything about Roku having a proprietary delivery infrastructure. And that, because of that, it's reduced the revenue share for fast channel partners, which is what has really rolled some people up the wrong way. I mean, it's it's kind of natural as it's transitioning away from hardware to software. We kind of expect that, but it's not just the ad tech ta- stack that it's it's taking in-house. So the small print states that it may require fast channel owners to use its new delivery platform, um, and before that it was completely free. These partners could choose any third-party CDNs they wanted and at first you kind of think, oh, that's maybe a good thing for the these um, content provide- providers because it saves them the expense of having to lease third-party CDN capacity, right? Wrong, because that is where Roku decides that to offset that savings, it will slash it by... Five percent. So the normal advertising split is sixty forty in the publisher's favour, um, and Roku's reduced that to fifty five forty five. So five percent less revenue for publishers, five percent more for Roku. Obviously, some people aren't very happy about that, and you may recall that some of the world's largest providers, NBC Universal being the big one, have negotiated really hard. There've been blackouts, and big debates. So kind of think there might be more where those come from but um what is uh, interesting is there's very basically no public information about Roku's CDN so I've gone down a bit of a rabbit hole in this piece kind of looking at how it could maybe take a leaf from Netflix's book of private CDN with the Open Connect project which is um, which is really cool so if anyone out there has any experience with or inside knowledge of Roku's CDN infrastructure then then Please hit me up, because all I've done really is look at um, the Open Connect CDN, which we've written a lot about before, and kind of drawn comparisons. It's I mean it was it's old now. It's founded back in 2011, and it's since then more recently it's embraced cloud native technologies, microservices. Microservices, and it's this container-based ecosystem with orchestration, scale instantly, cache instinctively, depending on traffic, anticipate peaks, central monitoring, analytics, offload resources onto public cloud infrastructure if it wants to, if the private cloud isn't enough. It's a, it's a really clever piece of kit. It's not quite open source, but it is the product of many years of collaboration really billions of investment and all all of that is in the name of scale and that is exactly something that Roku wants, is is scale. Um, Particularly with what we spoke about a couple of weeks ago in Faultline about um, Roku waxing lyrical, about becoming... It's now the... Every um, one in three smart TVs shipped in the the US has Roku OS installed. So Roku is now talking about the TV OS landscape becoming similar to the smartphone landscape which is just Android and iOS, ultimately, and it thinks it will just be Roku OS and something else, something probably in, from China, but um, can't see that happening, to be honest. So, I mean, what looks like a straightforward kind of power grab is what we kind of think is more like a, a data grab, really, because Roku's wall garden has done this kind of thing with a lot of other um, proprietary technologies and and things in its ad tech stack and, and small print, so it's so it's just it's just a data grab, really. That's how we're kind of envisaging envisioning this and it's a, the next stage of its data-driven revolution, really, and, and not everyone is happy about that. So, we're going to try and spend the next few weeks looking at, uh, well, maybe uncovering what is involved in Roku CDN, really. And um, secondary to that, I just wanted to mention that I've also blown the lid on mainstreaming's private peered edge cdn deal at the zone this week because i was fed up of waiting really and it's it's basically public knowledge anyway really everyone's been talking about it it's just been we've just been um sat on it for for too long so that's another really cool piece this week that is an exclusive so check that one out
0: Excellent. well we mentioned um someone buying roku last time so i mean at ts had a crack at like a video platform but what about getting into the hardware game and Roku and then just you know the hubris
2: oh yeah oh yeah sorry just to interrupt speaking of which, the, before we went to to press I added a last minute um worth noting skipping straight to the worth noting section the wall street journal has just said that the Roku's out of the running in terms of de- developing Netflix's ad tech stack and it says that the, it's either going to be Google or NBC Universal's free will or potentially a combination of both that's um that's going to lead the ad-supported experiment for Netflix. Not confirmed, but that's what the Wall Street Journal was saying.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I'll cross fingers and have a look. But, I mean, yeah, pride comes for the fall. And I think upsetting a lot of your uh, your key clients is probably not not great for the long run. Um, but, yeah, sweet. We'll keep an ear out. Uh, thank you very much, Tommy. Uh, Rafi, um, yeah, you want to just chat about your, your LA pieces, I guess? That's, that's very topical. Yeah, right?
1: whoa. I get, uh what Tommy was talking about actually reminded me of one of the talks I attended in LA where uh, Roku is also kind of pissing off the advertising world, but more from the kind of, for the fast platform owners. Um, I think it was a piece I wrote last week, maybe, where uh, there was a big panel discussion on, you know, how does anyone make money in fast or AVOD, which is something I've always, that's really kind of one of the main things I went to LA wanting to find out, um, is just, you know, is there any actual value in it? Um, and one of the main things they said, like the dangers with monetization is like, as soon as you get to a point where you've actually got like a reasonably successful, fast or able platform. Um, cause you know, most of them have just throwaway content. But as soon as you get to a point where you're like anything remotely popular, then, uh, they the only the only they said they said platforms will often try and bring fence to you and only have you exclusively on themselves, so basically like cut you know cut all your leaves and petals before you've actually had the chance to grow essentially um and they the only one that was actually named and shamed was Roku, and everyone on the panel basically said roku has really unfair terms. and if you're like a upstart platform, then in order to stay on their platform they'll basically make you give up all your rights and freedom to go on all other platforms essentially. Um, So it sounds like they're not only annoying the advertisers, but also the platforms. Um, So definitely, you know, a trend of kind of arrogance from Roku, Um, also kind of talking about the value of fast that kind of links into a company I was speaking to this week who also coincidentally I met over one of the launches um, in LA, they're a company called BitCentral um, and they started off doing kind of all the production play out and delivery uh, hardware infrastructure for news channels in the us around 22 years ago um so they do on and off-prem stuff um and they've still got around like something like a 40 percent market share of all news stations in the us um but what they're trying to focus on now is Moving into OTT, um, they realized, you know, as most people have, hardware isn't the biggest moneymaker for the future. And they've got these two products. Um, they've got Fuel, which is a kind of live play out, um, a Magi style thing, um, and then uh, another kind of front end suite called Power TV, which they only acquired in January of this year. So they're basically trying to make uh, an entire OTT video suite. But the vibe I got from the call um, with uh, Greg, who is the GM of their streaming operations, I believe, was that you know they're really trying to push hard moving into streaming and support supporting kind of fast and they can do VOD and uh, S and T but it seems like fast is where most of their focus is. Um, and they're really trying to move into that, but they have kind of yet to really unify that acquisition. It's still they're still very much two separate products. Um, they've yet to kind of get you know you need two separate logins, two separate subscriptions, um, and one of the main selling points he said that they had was that in the play on the play side, whereas a Margie will make you kind of uh, schedule a channel on kind of a time basis. So you'll be like, this plays at three o'clock, this plays at four o'clock. That uh, doesn't necessarily work so well if you're not working with like hour or 30 minute programs. If you're trying to compile a news channel from assets that are constantly flooding in of, you know, breaking news or, you know, little little tidbits or whatever, and you're constantly trying to dynamically curate that, then it's better to do that on like a tag basis. And you can create a list of tags, you know, prioritize these themes or these genres to this extent. Um, And he said essentially where they really excel is on kind of live and short form content in the fast area. But what this means is that rather than kind of aiming for the top tier of customers that Amagi already really has, they're kind of aiming for the lower tier and pricing accordingly. with a much lower price point so like for instance one example of a customer he gave was they're called arvo tv and it's essentially a very pluto tv like service but only nigerian content um and initially that kind of sounds like a worth you know like a knockoff that we'd never think about writing about but you know when i thought about it it kind of seems like almost like a market like nigeria is really where fast is actually going to do well because it's uh i guess you know the main problem with fast is that they're not able to afford to acquire content that people want to watch but i imagine content acquisition is much or local content acquisition is much cheaper in emerging markets like nigeria so that actually seemed like quite a smart move um in terms of customers and perhaps where fast will actually have a legacy and a kind of long term future
0: lovely stuff yeah um no i, I keep meaning to look into yeah uh, big swathes of Africa, because, um, yeah, uh, we need some good data on it, but, no, it's pretty vibrant out there, uh, you ever seen the Nollywood, um, special effects?
1: Uh, uh, oh, yeah, well, I, yeah, I've, I've, w- I've watched my first share of Nollywood, oh, yeah, when, yeah, it's channel is. surfing at 3am,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of time for Nollywood, um, so, yeah, lots of content on the ground, I reckon, but, sweet, excellent stuff, thank you very much, Rafi, um, we'll, we'll dive now into, um, my couple pieces, I'd, um, I mean, like, behind the scenes, uh, we got asked to, to give a quote for a press release, and then it turned out that the news there was actually uh, pretty cool. So that evolved into uh, the chat with DRM. so the headline there, DRM supplies Samsung's TV Plus relaunch fires broadside at Cass. Um, and that was just... That was a really good chat, really. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I caught CEO uh, Christopher Levy on, like, a slightly grumpy day, um, but he had no time for the incumbents. Um, and it was... Yeah, it was it was it was a good chat. It's, it's um yeah, uh, uh, well worth a read. But I mean, I think the key the key part there is that the, the sort of DRM system in in AVOD and fast, of course, um lots of scale. So it needs to be like pretty cheap, very very sort of lightweight and easy to run. And uh, the gist there, Le- Levy reckons that the uh, the cast vendors of your um, just haven't got a chance. Um, and that it should be the ABCs of DRM, so Axonom, DRM, and Cast labs They're the ones that should do it. Um, and, yeah, the the sort of background is that Samsung um, has been shipping, you know, smart TVs for, I mean, six or seven years now. Uh, it's had all these sort of smartphones out and about. It's got this immense, like, device footprint. And it has technically had a, um, a service since 2016 called Samsung TV+. plus. Um, and it hasn't really done much with it, like in terms of like hype and enthusiasm, um, so it looks like things are ramping up a bit because there's a bunch of content de- de- deals happening, so yeah, um, by ByDRM's uh, key OS is, is making sure that the content there is protected, um, and then the second piece, um, something that we're sort of lining up um, later on, Tom I'm sure we will mention a couple of these webinars uh, later as well, but the environmental stuff um, for Rethink TV we've been um, peeking at and trying to work out some decent metrics, um, and it was actually surprising that Comcast um, actually posts quite a lot of detail about its energy use and I mean there's a bunch of numbers in here and if anyone really wants to see the spreadsheet I can email it to you but the sort of gist of it is that if you compare like the per customer um, emissions uh, Deutsche Telekom has like nine times the customers but like a absolute fraction of the uh, the sort of total emissions that Comcast does and the reason is because Deutsche Telekom has shifted to 100% renewable energy um, for its like operations, uh, and Comcast is like just above 10%, uh, and Orange uh, had the worst um, data that we looked at. And we didn't we didn't go looking massively, but I thought Orange, Deutsche Telekom, Comcast, that would give us a good spread. Orange's data is um, not the best. I wouldn't say worst, but it's just missing a bunch of stuff. Um, but the key there is that Comcast is like kind of ahead of France. Um, France's Orange uh, network because uh, it's on 10.8% 10.86% versus 10. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit surprising. But um, yeah, digging into the numbers and stuff, I think the big takeaway here is that when the EU guys measure emissions, there's scope one, scope two, and scope three. Uh, scope one is like sort of direct operational stuff for like fuel uh, and, and energy and like vehicles and buildings. And then scope two is like you know a slightly more, but it's it's still like your direct emissions. And then scope three is like all your indirect. Um, emissions so it's like downstream and upstream so like suppliers and customers and the scope 3 emissions are massive uh, and to that point um, it's just like important to bear in mind that when when companies talk about uh, you know reducing the emissions of their like fleets uh, the sort of 548 metric tons of carbon that Deutsche Telekom is like offsetting uh, is equivalent to 0.006% of like its scope 3 um, upstream emissions so like you need a bit of context when when these companies make grand claims. Um but yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. And I think what would be really nice, uh if anyone's working on it, um a sort of per customer metric on like yeah, energy usage and carbon emissions. Because um, I can I could do one from here but it'd be a bit ropey, I think. A bit too many variables. Um but yeah, Tommy, are we jumping back into the uh the Ruthonian?
2: Well, because we've been slacking on podcasting lately, I've got a stack of like weird PR stuff. Ooh, yes. (laughs) So the first one, which is topical actually this week because Cloudflare had a massive outage at the beginning of the week, which uh, messed up a a lot of stuff. Um, But did you know Cloudflare has an entire wall of lava lamps that are fed into a camera as a way of generating completely random cryptographic keys? Yeah, I love this. Well, Alex knew that, but yeah, thought that was very cool. The worst um, one, actually, no, I'll go to the last week's one. Um, which everyone's probably heard about already but um, Netflix taking casting applications for the Squid Game reality show you missed that one yeah I missed this amazing yeah there's an actual cash prize up for grabs without all the the death and destruction but still probably with a lot of betrayal and stuff and it's gonna be an actual game and I'm very tempted to sign up but apparently you need like four weeks off or Oof. something of work which um, obviously we can't do in our in our line of work um, think of the
0: exclusives though Tommy think yeah. of the insider angle you'll get
2: mm-hmm, for sure but I don't know is that like I don't know is this what we can expect from Netflix now it's just gonna is this this new, new strategy to every time it's got a hit just hit show turn it into a game show until you're you're gonna milk yeah, it dead right? horse yeah exactly yeah. Like stum- <laughs>
0: they stumbled on this so they just gotta yeah, milk it exactly for it.
2: exactly but Sticking with the sort of dystopian feeling, the worst one this week was that Amazon is apparently exploring um, a way that Alexa can mimic any voice it hears after just one minute of audio. And the reason, the reason behind it, they've genuinely come out and said that the reason is to make memories last after people lost loved ones during the pandemic. So essentially encouraging you to um, immortalise Dead people in your smart speaker, which is a lovely idea, but it's extremely black mirror. Covid goes. Is it, is it, it
1: a even series? a lovely idea? I can't imagine anyone seeing that announcement and
2: being like, "Oh, that's sweet." Some I people, like, oh. some people will generally go, "Oh, I can, I can turn my granny into my smart speaker and hear her voice every day." You know what I mean? Oh, some a, people will uh, genuinely, genuinely it like me that. Out. The world is a creepy place. <laughs> so those are my three crappy PR stances excellent actually no the Cloudflare one's not crappy that's just uh, an interesting thing. that's wicked yeah. yeah
0: computers can't be random so let's make yeah. something random
2: that's it you guys got anything
0: uh, crap pile? I see I can't remember if I've just been holding on to this one or if I've said it before but it was the sexy Geralt thing so I got pitched on uh, like who who was sexier was it the Netflix version of Geralt from The Witcher or was it like the video game version and I'm pretty sure most people chose the video game which is you know, a real blow to Mr. Henry Cavill, that lovely handsome man. Um, but yeah, I can't remember. I've tried that one out before.
2: But... I haven't seen The Witcher, but I remember. I think I remember in a previous podcast I had to Google him. To does someone, does someone
1: send out. you that in a press release?
0: Yeah, yeah, Rafi If you're in this game long enough, you end up on some dodgy lists, and, oh, yeah. and you just get some weird things. Book reviews are my current one. Just people trying yeah, to send me books, yeah, as if I've got time to read fun. a book. Yeah. <laughs> so I've had a few on crypto. Those have dived off recently, given, you know, current events. Um, one on, like, hiring a butler, like, things to look for in, like, when you're hiring a butler in, which is definitely not relevant. And occasionally you do just, like, write back and have a go, but most people don't, like, reply, so it's not that much fun.
1: I'm sure at least a couple of our readers have a butler.
0: Ooh, that's true. Yeah, there must be one exec out there. Got some live-in help, as they call it, eh?
1: If you're listening and you have a butler, let us know.
0: Yeah, how did you evaluate them? Is it like a living
2: or robotic? Ooh, robo butlers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's the future.
0: Well, I I know Uh, Amazon's about to automate its workforce, so um, it won't be long, I'm sure, until you can get dead granny as living butler.
2: Mmm, now we're talking. Yep,
0: that's more up my street, I think.
2: (laughs) All right, I've done my um, worth noting. I got out of the way early doors, so. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
0: um, Rafi, five years ago.
1: Sure. Yeah, so five years ago, uh, Apple tried to turn uh, its lap around with its video arm by recruiting two big money hires from Sony Pictures Television, um, two presidents from there. Um, But despite the high profile hires, Feltline still felt that Apple TV was doomed. Um, It spent too much time dithering on whether to be a streaming aggregator or pursue an original content strategy. Um, And the last we heard on numbers from Apple TV was in July of 2021. When it still had less than 20 million subscribers in north america um, and we imagine the hardware footprints even less although it may be turning a corner because this year it's pushing for some quite significant sports rights and yeah that may turn things around
0: yeah good point um uh, mls we'll see how much of a draw that is um for yeah i, I guess a global pull. um but yeah sweet cheers Rafi. um The uh, little one I got, um, the EU antitrust regulators are getting shafted this week because Qualcomm has won its appeal against its billion-dollar Apple um, appeal. And Intel now, um, it also managed to win a separate appeal and will uh, apparently be suing for um, the interest it lost on the fine it paid um, all those years ago. So I think it was something like $600 or $900 million. But yeah, just egg on face. Not a great look. Um, Sweet. That's worth noting then. That, chaps, was line 943. Tommy, is there anything lined up for 944?
2: Yeah, I got a couple of calls booked in. I got an interview with Media Foundation and one with Easy Broadcast after I slagged off their um, ABR paper a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, we'll have a few interviews in. We've also got, what's this in the diary? It is bought. Uh, Bitmovin's quarterly product roadmap—they normally wheel out some of the um, the big guns for their quarterly roadmap update, so that will be fun.
0: Decent. I, yeah. I look forward to seeing yeah. ABR teardown.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, as uh, I thought, as we started with an apology, I thought I'd finish with an apology because in case I'm ignoring anyone on LinkedIn, because I'm now two weeks into my LinkedIn hiatus. Which is something we were chatting about in the in the office a couple of weeks ago with our uh, our new marketing maestro Harvey. By the way, um, go and hit uh, Harvey up on, on LinkedIn. Ironically, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, But we were talking about how toxic LinkedIn's become. Really, I never liked it when I arrived seven no. years ago, and it's you know it's so much worse today. It's like it's like Facebook. It's like all these egos have migrated from Facebook to. LinkedIn we... people swinging the dicks yeah. around like Dan Rayburn. It's I, just, not, not I love a it though. Place. I think it's oh. hilarious. No, no. We no. Could,
0: uh, why don't we just like try and bring it down a few pegs by just like shit posting our hearts out?
2: Yeah, we could do that.
0: Just like yeah. proper like bulk up fault line meme wall.
2: Yeah. I mean
1: that that is the one thing that is lacking from LinkedIn is memes, which yeah. I I have always thought I, it would
2: be so, a very successful page. Let's meme so, bomb it. Let's do it. I've got a few, got a few banked up. All
0: right. love your stuff. Thank you very much, chaps. Of course. A great place to end. Yeah. <laughs> Meme wars. Well, yeah. uh, dear dear listeners, head to the website, of course, rethinkresearch.biz. You can check out free four week free trial because it's free um, uh, at, at, at that point. And also soon, hopefully next week, we'll have the latest Rethink TV report um, on content recommendations. So fingers crossed on that. Um, yeah, it's warm in here, so um, yeah, I want to get out. So that's bye bye from me. Take care.
2: Cheers, then. See ya.